What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Siddiqui. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. We're going to go over Week 10, must-add players on the waiver wire. Going into, listen, we're here. This is like this is the, this is is like the home stretch, almost. We're almost yeah. at the home. We're, we're in the second half of the season. We only got a few weeks before fantasy playoffs start. So now this is when you're kind of making that playoff push. Okay, there's not... You know, there's there's a couple sneaky ads on the waiver wire this week that you want to, you know, pay attention to, right? Like just because it seems on surface level that it might be a weaker waiver wire than normal in terms of being able to pick guys up. You never know, right? Like you want to pick up guys yeah. that could strategically actually bring you some value, you know, over the next couple of weeks, potentially guys who can help you win a championship. So make sure you you you, you listen to this episode and we're going to go over the top 20 waiver wire pickup so even if these top guys aren't available you know there will there should be a few of these guys who are available on your waiver wire even if you're in like a 14 team league okay yeah. uh zach how's it going man interesting game last night you know lamar yeah. didn't have a whole lot of help but he made it happen and the ravens ended up winning yeah it, 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 it was all right you know we just talked about you know lamar jackson yesterday is he you know, are we lumping him in with those guys? We talked about Justin Fields, you know, are we lumping him in with the guys that maybe we trade Justin Fields for? Um, last night, it wasn't really encouraging, but I, I wasn't too upset either because, you know, he didn't have many weapons, like we said. Um, how many catches did receivers have in this game? Was it like five? Yeah, Is that pretty what it much. Was? I mean, it was, like, it was very spread out. You know, Isaiah yeah. likely ended up with the one catch for a touchdown. That's all he had. Yeah. Uh, in that, that was game. disappointing. And it looks so good. Super disappointing, you know. And if you played DFS and you faded likely, and you had Kenyon Drake in your lineup, that's probably what did, what got got done for you. Um, but everyone was on him. He had that one catch yeah. for a touchdown. Uh, he did lead them with five targets. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, and Lamar Jackson, which is kind of crazy, like five targets leads your team. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. Lamar Jackson did end up end up spreading it around like crazy. Completed only twelve balls in this game. Uh, didn't have to throw a ton. It was just him and Kenyon Drake running the ball the entire time, and Kenyon Drake mm -hmm. ended up with those two touchdowns. But those five targets that Isaiah likely, you know, ended up being a twenty three percent target share. So the yeah. process was okay, but the end result wasn't ideal. Yeah, I mean, if you had Lamar, you're not upset. You know, like he still had, you know, 16 fantasy points at the end of the day because of that rushing upside. He did um, – he dropped the ball once. You know, I don't know if you lose points in your league for that, but um, he, he – he, his upside's a little bit capped because he doesn't have any playmakers really. Um, he has his rushing ability. That's about all that kept him relevant last night, those 82 yards on the ground. And you can expect that to continue. You know, it looked a lot like those past few weeks that we had where he just hasn't been as explosive as he was the first – was it two weeks, three weeks? Um, so you can always lean on that, but he's kind of lacking luster right now for me. I, I think he looked good enough, you know, given the situation with the weapons, but we, he's going to need some more weapons if he's going to be a bigger fancy contributor down the stretch. So right now I'm not sure he's kind of, I don't want to call him, <laughs> you know, obviously his upside is ridiculous, but I, I don't want to call him a mid to low QB one right now, but the numbers that he's been putting up recently, that's kind of where I'm going to have to lump him in. Yeah. He's a mid, he's a, he's a, He's a solid QB1 right now. He's not a high-end QB1, unfortunately. I mean, obviously, he can have a monster game at any point. He always has that ceiling, but yeah. he hasn't hit that ceiling in a little bit. Uh, maybe OBJ, you know, going to Baltimore, it's possible. You know, yeah. OBJ apparently is going to be healthy. Uh, well, he's going to be medically cleared at the end of this week. And, you know, um, it, it, it's Jake Reyes reported that teams might end up being in a little bit of, a little bit of a bidding war for his services so you know we'll see where he mm -hmm. ends up landing he is on this waiver wire list and we'll get there uh but you know 
it's interesting. Alvin Kamara, bad day at the office for him too. Only nine touches in this game. Yeah. Uh, only three catches. That's super disappointing considering the Ravens have been giving up a ton of receptions to running backs coming into this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll, I'll say this, like the Ravens defense, you know, over the last several weeks, yeah, they have been pretty damn good lately. And, you know, this has turned into a pretty tough matchup for both running backs and wide receivers, you know, going forward. You know, early on in the season, you know, they were extremely vulnerable, you know, to running backs and wide receivers. But now they really turn things around. This is what they need, you know, from an NFL standpoint. You know, the fact that Lamar doesn't have the weapons that, you know, he he has, he had, you know, to start mm-hmm. the year. This is what the Ravens need right now. So, if, you know, if a team, if you're going up against the Ravens, this isn't a cakewalk, you know. And still, like, if you look at the fantasy matchups, it'll still show green when you're going up against the Ravens, you know, yeah. with these wide receivers. But that's not necessarily the case, just because they had a, they had, they were giving up a ton of fantasy points early on in the year. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't want to, you can't ever trust completely. You know, you talk about that green matchup indicator on the schedule, um, on the game log. You can't really do that, even if it's a good matchup. You know, you have to consider that the way the team's playing when your player is playing them, if that makes yeah. sense. So like if like, for instance, you know, just last night we saw Chris Olave looked like a good matchup on paper because those first few weeks, you know, Baltimore, their defense let up all those yards and gave up all those points. Their actual performance is being a bit inflated. You know, it, lo- it looks a lot worse than it is, especially with the streak that they're on right now. I thought this was going to be, you know, a much higher scoring game. I mean, 27 points for the Ravens was, you know, plenty, but I thought that the Saints would have an easier time moving the ball. When I was watching, the Saints couldn't do anything outside of that last drive. At the end, obviously, they put up some yeah. more points after after the fact, you know, in the second half. But that whole first half, the Saints did nothing. I, I was like, is it this was supposed to be a bad Baltimore defense? And Roquan Smith, I don't know if that was the change they made, but he was in on a couple stops. You know, Alvin Kamara couldn't get anything going on the ground and obviously through the air. Um, it, it looked like a change defense, and we'll see if that continues, you know. But if, if it does, um, you know, it might be more tough sledding for guys playing against this defense moving forward. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, and, and Chris Olave, I was down on him a little bit. He actually surpassed my expectations a little bit. I had him going under uh, on a lot of the props that I've seen, yeah. uh, you know, because it was a tough matchup, I think, you know, especially given how well the corners have been playing on the outside lately. That's about it. That's all. That's really all I have to say about that. Um, did we did we already talk about, oh, we talked about Jeff Saturday becoming the head coach. I think that broke live on the podcast yesterday. We talked about it yesterday. Well, let's get into the waiver wire pickups now. At, at number one, I have Jeff Wilson here. He ended up leading the Dolphins' backfield in snaps and opportunities on Sunday, you know, just a few days after being traded to them. He ran one more route than Raheem Mostert as well. He knows the system, right? He came in. And this turned into a 50-50 split in his first game there. And he ended up outplaying Mostert. So I see this to be at least a 50-50 split moving forward with a chance of Jeff Wilson edging Raheem Mostert out even more as we go forward, right? He was playing very well, you know, in San Francisco. He comes over here to the guy who was running their run game over the past several years in San Francisco. He knows the system. And he he got the snaps. He got the touches. And he ended up performing. Yeah, I think if, you know, in Miami, if this was any other running back besides Jeff Wilson, we wouldn't see this type of usage in production. But because it's Jeff Wilson, like you said, with Mike McDaniel there, um, the familiarity is there. That's why we're seeing this happen. And of course, Mike McDaniel, you know, in those years that he was in San Francisco, he must have gotten close, you know, with Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. There's no way he's going to, you know, fade one of them in this backfield. It's going to be a split. And I kind of talked a little bit about that last week before the 
game this weekend even happen. And it looks like that's the way it's going to be. I think Jeff Wilson, like I said, he's younger. I think he's more dynamic. He has more of an all-around skill set. It looks like they can use him in more ways, maybe Raheem Mostert. And that's not shade at Raheem Mostert. It's just the way that he was played looked a lot better than Raheem Mostert. So I think Jeff Wilson is pretty much a clear ad this week on the waiver wire. I'd be surprised a little bit. You know, I, I'm not sure if anybody dropped him when he got traded to, to Miami. Um, it says his roster percent is, is up to 50 right now on Sleeper. It moved up 14%. Um, people might be buying into him a little bit more, but we, 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 should, we should get that to 60 at least because it looks like he's going to have a role moving forward yeah. in his offense and down the stretch. Yeah, it was really what, what did it was Christian McCaffrey being traded to the 49ers. And once he was being traded to the 49ers, you figure that he's going to get all the snaps. Jeff Wilson's just a handcuff at this point. I'm going to drop him. Elijah Mitchell's going to be back soon. And Jeff Wilson, his name wasn't really floating around, you know, you know, on, with those trade talks that much. So now, you know, and then he gets traded to Miami. You're like, all right, well, he'll probably back up Raheem Mostert. So people didn't really rush to the waiver wire, you know, the, the free agent pool to grab him, right? So at this point, you know, people are like, oh, wait. <laughs> Jeff yeah. Wilson's a guy to have in that backfield at this point. So, yeah, I can see Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert still has that big playability. I would see, you know, he could be kind of like the lightning to Jeff Wilson's thunder. That's kind of how, how I look at it. Mm-hmm. And I, I see that that's how it's, that's how it's going to play out. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah. Um, Greg Dolchitz, I have him at number two. You know, in his first three games in the NFL, Dolchitz has had double-digit PPR fantasy points. His last game, he went four for 87 uh, on a bad offense, right? And he has a solid matchup against Tennessee this week. Here, here's what I had on him in my rookie draft kit this offseason. This is what I had. Uh, the receipts are coming out. I said... <laughs> No, no, this is just this is just yeah, no, no, no. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just saying I think, I think no, it's no, no. I know I just want to state yeah. that I'm not trying to receipt myself. This is more like uh why I think he's a good pickup. That's mm-hmm. kind of what I'm saying. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna say that he looked the best of film on, on film to me. Uh he had 2.17 yards per team pass attempt. That was third best in this class behind Trey McBride and Isaiah Likely. And then his 1.93 yards per route run last year was fourth best among tight ends. And then on top of that, he's one of the most athletic tight ends coming into this class or coming into the league this year in this class. And then his level of competition was also a step above both Trey McBride and Isaiah Likely, right? And those were the other right. two guys that coming into with in this rookie draft class among tight ends. Those are the guys that, you know, you really paid attention to. Uh, but he was able to get it done, you know, with with um, you know, with better competition. So, you know, something to kind of note you know as, in terms of like what what his what his uh dr- as him as a prospect what he looked like so pick him up that, that's yeah. that's basically what it comes down to <laughs> and he, he has um, he's finished as a tight end one every week right in terms yeah. of point scored so how could you not pick that up <laughs> you know um the way the tight end landscape is no nobody's gonna be doing better than you um at that point unless they have kelsey or andrews and andrews is hurt and, you know, just talking about tight ends, even, you know, Greg Dolchitz, he, he looks like he could be a good tight end, especially, you know, if he continues to build rapport with Russell Wilson. Um, Russell Wilson is supposed to be in Denver for a while now. So that could end up being, you know, a nice a, a nice two-headed monster there between Russell Wilson and Greg Dolchitz. That could be a good connection. I, I just wonder, once Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews, you know, aren't in the league, you know, did you trust, do you see any guys coming up that are going to be like, you know, the bonafide tight end ones moving forward? Or do you think that, like, is there going to be any standout or is it just going to be a bunch of these guys like these? Is it going to be streaming tight ends every week? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, it's, 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 like, it's who, I mean, who's gonna wait, be, listen, gonna uh, Mark Andrews is young. 
relatively yeah. young. He's going to be there for a while. Travis Kelsey, you know, he's probably going to – he probably has a, a couple years – maybe a couple years left in him. There's going to be these guys who are going to pop off, you know. Mm-hmm. I think there's always going to be those elite tight ends. Uh, and now the way that the league is using tight ends, you know, more and more, they like these tweener guys, you know, who are like the Isaiah Likelys and those guys who don't have the build like a Travis Kelsey, the guys who are the all-around tight ends. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you never know. It really comes down to, you know, usage – and ability right travis kelsey has been lucky enough uh you know to be with 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 you know honestly i would say that it's not even an andy reed thing travis mm-hmm. kelsey would have been is a boss regardless like whoever he would have been with he probably would have been performing with you know what i mean yeah. so like yeah there's going to be those guys i think that are going to be in that elite category uh but at the end of the day it's like you know there's only a few tony gonzalez's we're going to see there's only a few travis kelsey's we're going to see you know what i mean these are like the you know a few gronks Mm. Right, these are the guys that are the elite of the elite, and those don't come, those don't grow on trees. Right? No, they don't. <laughs> Mark Andrews has a chance to do it. You know, it's just he doesn't have a as big of a sample size as a guy like Travis Kelsey. But you know, yeah. he he has a chance. He definitely Travis Kelsey just owned the position for the past. Yeah. I don't even know how long. Like exactly since he came in the league, it just looked ridiculous. Uh, moving to number three here, we got Terrace Marshall. Uh, I had I had a feeling Terrace Marshall would be high on this list last week. Yeah, uh, the QB situation is in flux in Carolina, but PJ Walker will be back under center for this Thursday night matchup against Atlanta. Great matchup, right? I I plug Marshall in this week as a borderline wide receiver three, right? Like something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was a second round pick last year, right? He's a big wide receiver, runs a four four forty. His athletic measurables are through the roof. He broke out at 19 years old. He was an early declare. These are all signs, you know, second round pick. Like, these are all signs of, like, you know, a guy who usually succeeds in the NFL. You know, so the coaching staff is gone. This is somebody that you want to pick up as a potential breakout player. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, him having a a rookie year to forget, like, it doesn't work in his favor at all because usually players who come into the league, the rookie year, they had a rookie year like that. Usually, they don't succeed, but this could be an exception just because of how, uh, you know, you could say that this coaching staff before them, they had their issues. <laughs> had right? their issues, yeah. I'd say so. they had their issues. That's, that's a nice way of saying it. Um, I think, yeah, I think Terrace Marshall deserves a mulligan because of the coaching and because you know you look at the Panthers' offense last year in twenty twenty one. I mean, Sam Darnold was running it. You know, it's like. Has he had any chance to actually show what he could do in a sub, de- uh, just a semi decent offense? I think everything, every off, every um, down he's played has been in a subpar offense. You know, obviously it's Panthers and he's only been in the league for two years, but he's just dealing with quarterback change, coaching change, all this stuff. I think he deserves a mulligan. You know, you, you give him that year, it didn't look good, you know, his rookie year. He, he didn't catch hardly any balls at all. He, he comes in this year and suddenly, even without, you know, the consistency that we're looking for still for a young receiver like that, he is actually kind of, you know, making some noise now. I think – I don't want to hype him up too much, but I think you're absolutely on to something when you say about his measurables and everything. All these signs that point to him succeeding in the NFL, it, he might just be a late bloomer. It's only his second year. You know, he's got yeah. plenty of time to come on. Um, I'm – a trade would have been ideal, you know, maybe to a different spot for him to show off. You know, the Panthers, they might be – uh, a couple years out from actually being competitive again, but I, I think you know he he has some value for you right now because even though the quarterback's changing in Carolina a lot, they're going to have to be throwing to the receivers, and he's going to be on the field enough. At least the way he's been on the field recently, these past three weeks, eighty-six percent snap share, ninety-three and ninety-two percent of snaps. You know, it, 
it looks good. I, I think that he has a chance to actually contribute because he's getting a lot more targets than he has in his career. And now they're letting him play on the outside, which is his natural position, right? He's a right. big guy who could run down the field, and his contested catchability is absolutely insane. It's been what he's been one of the best contested catch prospects that we could remember over you know a long time. He, I think, mm-hmm. he caught like, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like seventy five percent of contested catches or something, something ridiculous like that. You know, coming yeah. into coming into the year, uh, coming into the NFL. Um, but just remember, you know, he played with Joe Burrow at LSU with Jamar Chase with Justin Jefferson. He scored 13 touchdowns that season. Um, and then his last year, he wasn't early, early declare. So his junior year, which was 2020, that was the COVID year. They only played seven games and he ended up, you know, averaging more than 100 re- receiving yards per game that year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was the alpha on a run heavy, defense heavy offense, right? There was no Joe Burrow there. there yeah. uh, J- Joe Brady also left to come to the NFL. So there was this offense completely changed. And okay. if so, I'm not mistaken, didn't, didn't Joe Brady go to the Panthers? He I, first, I think, did he go straight to the Panthers? Yeah, I think he did. I think he went yeah, to he the did. Panthers, which he is did. kind of he funny. <laughs> it is funny. It is. That's hilarious, actually. I, I just put two and two together. I'm yeah. thinking like, oh, he went to the Saints. No, no, no. He was at the Saints before he went to LSU. That's mm-hmm. what it was. Yeah. That's hilarious. Like the fact <laughs> that they, they, like, oh, they drafted Terrace Marshall. Good. Joe Brady's right there. Nope. That didn't yeah. work out. That that's that's just funny. Very interesting. <laughs> well, it's funny because Joe Brady didn't work out either. Right. That, that's the whole thing. The whole coaching staff didn't work out there in Carolina. <laughs> and they they put him in the slot, which is weird. Like mm-hmm. why like, this big? It's a weird. It was a weird thing to do. Um, it's impossible to evaluate when you have that type of coaching problem. You know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying you know Cliff Kingsbury. Maybe at least the only thing Cliff <laughs> Kingsbury has going for him is continuity. You know, there has been a continuity um, in Carolina, so that type of coaching situation you can't evaluate anybody. I don't think unless unless you're Baker Mayfield. <laughs> then then let's you move can kind on of to, on him. Let's move on to Rashad White here, number four. Again, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but we are beating a dead horse here every mm-hmm. week. But we if Leonard Fournette went down, Rashad White would assume 90% snap snap share, most likely, and get all the work. Um, you know, this past week they split opportunities 16 to 11 in favor of Fournette. Um, there might be random, sporadic moments with some standalone value for White, but you won't be able to predict it when it happens. This is kind of random. This is really about a high end handcuff at this point, you know, because of a situation and the building yeah. in the receiving game. That's really about it. Anything else to add about Rashad White, or have we beat a dead horse? No, we've been beating the dead horse. Like I said, all we should okay, do cool. is we should go from Terrace Marshall to Rashad White. Just like this is your weekly reminder to pick up Rashad White and then just move on. You know, pretty much. Alexander Madison, another weekly reminder for him. You know, he has no standalone value whatsoever right now. Uh, and but he's been dropped. You can tell, you know, during these bye weeks, oh, right? Because yeah. people mm-hmm. need guys to start and all that. Uh, and he's now available in a lot of leagues. So he's an RB1 if Dalvin Cook were to ever go down. He's like a staple bench stash uh, as we get into the final stretch of the fantasy season. So, you know, similar situation to Rashad White. 